What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This could really be Bob Mueller's guy at the White House who failed to investigate this and stop this, creating the actual legal precedent to further this investigation to a point of criminal prosecution. Welcome to Foreign Policy. I'm Sharon Weinberger, the executive editor for News, and you're listening to the ER. Joining us in the studio today is Jonna Winter, a regular foreign policy contributor, and Elias Squirrel, a staff reporter here at FP covering national security, intelligence, cyberspace, and its conflicts and controversies. Foreign Policy recently published Jonna's story detailing how a former FBI official is leading the charge to help BuzzFeed verify the veracity of the so-called Trump dossier, also known as the dirty dossier by um, Trump's proponents, which was compiled ahead of the 2016 presidential election. The dossier, which was funded by those connected with the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party, has been subject of ongoing controversy in multiple lawsuits. And while some of its claims have allegedly been verified, many others, in fact, the key ones remain yet unproven. Trump and his allies have repeatedly attacked those involved in the dossier as being involved in a partisan witch hunt, while critics of Trump have used the dossier to allude to possible collusion with the Kremlin in interference in the 2016 presidential election. Jonna, let's talk a little bit about what BuzzFeed did. What company did they hire? Why? And what is the goal of this so-called verification of the dossier? BuzzFeed got sued by a Russian billionaire, Mr. Gubarev, who is alleged in the unverified dossier to have been somehow involved in the hacking of the DNC. BuzzFeed published the unverified dossier without redacting anything or calling anyone for comment and then promptly got sued. So at that point, they were like, oh, hey, if we prove that the stuff in the dossier is legit, then that's not defamation. So why don't we spend millions of dollars hiring this company called FTI and the head guy there who used to work at the White House and be the senior cyber official for the FBI and was literally in charge of coordinating the U.S. government response to Russian interference at the time of said alleged Russian interference. So they're like, hey, we're going to pay you. Can you finish doing the job that you were maybe trying to do or was supposed to be doing while you were at the White House? And then we won't have to lose this lawsuit, but we'll pay you millions of dollars instead. Now, why why did they want to keep this effort? I mean, it was certainly, I wouldn't call it secret, but it was certainly something they, they didn't want to have be public. Why? The real reason? I think it makes them look stupid. I think they, I mean, I think they acknowledge that. I think the reasons suggested or floated could be anything from we won't be able to continue our work if this gets out, which makes no sense to me at all because... Unless you are joining Bob Mueller and his team and FBI people in running around Cyprus and getting documents, then why all of a sudden is news of your involvement going to make your job impossible? And if you're being paid millions of dollars, you should be good enough to be able to continue your work after. I think part of it, I mean, also, it's just it's not a great look for BuzzFeed to be 
trying to verify this dossier months after they published it, right, as part of a libel lawsuit rather than, you know, having tried to do the verification work ahead of time. Clearly, they tried to track down some of the dossier's claims before they published, right? But uh, I, the, the, I can't speak to that. Right? Well, that's I think part of their said, defense the in the lawsuit. Yeah. Right? So now they've hired this investigator after having published the dossier, and it kind of raises the question as to why, why they didn't hire some kind of firm. You know, if this is the length to which they're willing to go after to verify— but after not they, before publication. After they get sued, exactly, but not before publication. It just it just raises a question about, well, why didn't they do this ahead of time? It's, Which it's is exactly little... what the lawyers for the guy who was suing BuzzFeed exactly. said. It was okay. like, oh, really? Exactly. So you did this now? Uh, got it. Okay. So, so let me provide, because I actually, when BuzzFeed first published the dossier, I thought good for them. That you no, know, no, I'm not saying I haven't evolved in that view, but my initial response was, you know, it's good that they did that because this dossier had been pu- had been passed around to journalists for several months leading up to the election. At first, no one would touch it, and then I think it was was it Michael Isakoff who published the first reference to it, or was it David? It Korn? was Michael Isakoff who had the first reference to it, but it was very oblique. And then right. uh, David Korn had the first explicit in one in Mother Jones, October 31st, 2016. And, and so here, and here, then CNN. Said that the dossier had been handed over, and so they linked to it. But right, linked and to it CNN. in their story. So the idea is like, is a link proof that you were? But but that's why initially, and I'm not realm. saying I'm right, but initially I thought, well, good for them because why? If, if this is what's being talked about, if this is the basis of the news reports, if we look at sort of journalism as transparency, why not put all the dossier out there? And of course, now we see why because there are people implicated in it who may or may not be guilty of the things that it's alleged. But initially, I thought as a transparency device, it, it was an interesting thing to do to publish it. It is baffling to me that they did not just pick up the phone and or email this Russian billionaire and everyone else mentioned in it be like, hey, comment, great. Like, well, I don't understand why that would not happen. That I I mean, blows they are, my mind. They are claiming, if I believe Elias in their defense, that they did try to verify things about the dossier. But again, it's not clear what because it's it looks unclear like exactly what they tried they to, what they tried zero to specific. I, mean, I think that's yeah. what's going to be interesting that comes out is what did they do to try to verify it beforehand? It's, it's if I'm remembering correctly in some of their legal filings, they've said they made references to specific claims in the, in the dossier that they did not try to verify. And then there are others that I believe that they did try to verify. And None of them much, are what they're being sued for. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think that the focus of reporters who had the dossier in the run-up to the election was, you know, the extremely salacious claims, the allegation that there was an effort by the Kremlin to provide intelligence on Hillary Clinton to the Trump campaign. That was a central focus, obviously. Then the extremely salacious allegations about strange sexual behavior by Donald Trump in Moscow. I have asked FTI about the P tape repeatedly. They have not responded. Right. So everybody wants to know if the P tape is true. (laughs) They are totally looking for it. (laughs) According to me personally, in my opinion. If you're (laughs) looking for everything else in the dossier, why would you not try to verify that? Of course you try, but it's one of those it's all it feels almost unverifiable, but you know, the the tape is if the tape exists, it's sitting somewhere. Like most people don't actually care about the Gubarov claims. They care about I mean that's of he cares about those claims because it libels yeah, it potentially libels him. I mean the Gubarov the Gubarov claims 
in relation to all of the other claims in the dossier are so minor. It's basically that servers. So Gubarev is, you know, this uh, this tech executive, right? And he's got a he owns, I think, various internet hosting companies. Probably not and the minor allegation, allegation to him, though. Not a minor allegation to him, but I mean, compared just to maybe the, boring to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to the PP tape, definitely a minor allegation. But just that his servers were used to send malware onto DNC servers. It's kind of in the in the context of you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, eh, who cares? Oh, well, for his business. He for his business, time. absolutely. It's also, cares, like, at the heart of who, you know, know whether it's DNC, you know, why they didn't hand over stuff to the FBI, why they used only CrowdStrike, why, like, all of the sketchiness on every side, I feel like, that now BuzzFeed thinks they are, you know, right. okay, so they get to figure everything let's out themselves. Let's back up a second, because there are so many competing lawsuits over the dossier. I can't even keep track of them all. Eliza, can you run us through some so, of them? Yeah, I, I mean, I I, here's a little snapshot of kind of who, of some of the legal action at play here, right? So we have a large Russian holding company, the, the uh, Alpha conglomerate, if you will. They're, uh, the holding company goes by the name of Letter One, the most prominent asset of which is Alpha Bank, which is one of the largest commercial banks in Russia. They are uh, implicated in the Steele dossier, and they are suing Fusion, uh, the Washington, D.C. research firm that commissioned the dossier from Steele, the former British spy. They are also, the Alpha is also suing BuzzFeed for their decision to publish. Gubarev, the aforementioned tech executive, is suing BuzzFeed for its decision to publish. And then Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, is also suing BuzzFeed and Fusion for the decision to uh, commission the dossier and then the decision to publish the dossier. Michael Cohen's role in the dossier is basically that he traveled to Prague to take meetings with Russian intelligence agencies as um, part of their effort to make contact with the Trump campaign and pass information to the Trump campaign. Which I believe that we, we know is not true, at least the date that is mentioned in the dossier. I mean, it hasn't been it hasn't been entirely refuted. And this is but. an interesting point that we debated before the publication of your article because you know there's are some mentions in press reports that some things about the dossier have been verified, and it's actually very unclear to me if that is the case. I mean, other than I'm sure there's sort of general statements of fact. Have any of the more salacious claims, any of them, been verified? I, I, actually I think the most interesting, I, I mean, the argument that aspects of the Steele dossier have been verified, I think, turn on the dossier's claims that the Kremlin tried to pass damaging information uh, to the Trump campaign on Hillary Clinton. And there clearly was such an effort. Now, but it wasn't the steel that effort. Do, the, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the question, that's a good question, right? The steel the steel dossier does not describe with any specificity the effort to pass information to the Trump campaign that we actually know about. Now, that effort centers on the meeting in New York between Natalia Vasilevskaya, the Russian lawyer, and Donald Trump Jr., a meeting for which Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner were also present. That was a meeting that was set up uh, with <laughs> Donald Trump's under Donald Trump Jr.'s, excuse me, under Understanding that he would be provided damaging information on Hillary Clinton. Now, Donald Trump Jr. says that he never received any damaging information in that meeting. And, uh, you know, Natalia Vasilnitskaya's talking points, which we obtained and published, um, show that she did try to provide damaging information, yes, but it was uh, really vague. difficult to tease out and vague and not something that would be explosive in an American political context. It was basically that. Uh, 
Democratic Party donors who have been active in Russia uh, participated in some shady business deals and didn't pay their Russian taxes, which you could, which might be. Uh, I'm already an, bored. An yeah, act I don't about think about them yeah, exactly. Like, election service. Yeah, that's it's never that's so that's not something that's ever going to gain traction in an American political debate. Okay, so now part of these is lawsuits, any of this true though? I mean. Is any of what? Anything right? anyone says related to Russia, related to the dossier, well, no, related the to dossier, the campaign. The dossier, it's like a Rorschach test. It's an inkblot. You look at the dossier, and if you see collusion with between Trump and Russia, then you're on one side. And if you think that the whole dossier is dirty and wrong, then it's not. It, it's yeah, but it can be it. both. I mean, it can be absolutely. I think that there's. But it's most people also, don't look at it that mind, way. Keep in mind, like there's. So when John McCain handed over the dossier to the White House. That was in early December. And the dossier is not like a dossier. It's a bunch of different, you know, reports and memos of raw intelligence. So at the time, and I guess the one that involves Guvarev that he is suing BuzzFeed for was dated after the date that John McCain handed the dossier. Oh, I didn't realize that. So, I mean, that came out or... That has been out. Obviously, people knew that. I was not aware of that until I went to that court hearing last week. And I was shocked. And that's one of their big arguments in Florida, saying if BuzzFeed is saying that they can't be sued for defamation because it has, you know, risen to the level of sort of like public discourse and this was public information, you can be, if something is that, of that, reaches that threshold, there's an argument to be made that they're not liable for wrong information that they've gotten. Right. Um, however, they, the timing of what they are alleging, BuzzFeed saying, no, we published this and it was fair of us to publish it because we knew it was unverified, as Ben Smith said on TV the following day, saying, yeah, we know there's a lot of factual problems with what we publish, but we want people to figure it out themselves, which is crazy that you would say that. Mm-hmm. But also, the idea that they're dated the different pages are dated, and their argument rests on the entire McCain handing things to the White House, means that their whole argument is based on something that they know is not even true. So I think BuzzFeed's like argument on the surface is the dossier, which implies the Guvarev claims are included, you know, was circulated around and everyone was discussing it. But that was the very last part of that dossier, and that did not get to McCain just based on the dates alone. Well, wait, let's talk about what that hearing was. So after the story was published, a few days later, there was a hearing here in Washington, D.C., and if I recall correctly, it was about BuzzFeed. They're trying to compel the FBI to turn over information that could be helpful in verifying the dossier, and you went to that hearing. Can you tell us right. well, what were the arguments made? BuzzFeed has subpoenaed everyone. So they subpoenaed the FBI for information about the Carter Page FISA among other things in the dossier. The FBI was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And BuzzFeed sued them in response to try to get the information. In the course of that time, between when they initially subpoenaed um, the FBI and the hearing last week, the Nunez memo and all of that became unclassified. So the judge said, well, Department of Justice lawyers, you're trying to keep all of this out out of the public realm. And the Department of Justice lawyers argued that there were ongoing law enforcement investigations in the same building, in the same courthouse, which is where we know Bob Mueller's investigation is based. So we can't, you know, confirm publicly that this information was passed to anyone or that it exists or that we're investigating the dossier. And the judge said, you know, you're going to have a really hard time making that case. It should be secret when the president of the United States is 
tweeting out and unclassifying national security investigations. So, I mean, what happens now? I don't know. I think BuzzFeed's entire point is, I mean, none of that may matter at all because the, the lawsuit initially, I mean, it's out of Florida. So the Florida court and judge, they may not care at all about any of this information, whether the dossier is, you know, was passed on to whomever. This is BuzzFeed just making a big scene and saying, oh, we're going to get to the bottom of this because this is where we are right now. So one interesting thing about the Nunez memo and the controversy around it is that it confirmed that the dossier was, in fact, a component of the FISA application to surveil Carter Page. Um, And this goes to a central argument that BuzzFeed has been making in their defense of publishing the dossier, and that is that the dossier had become a government document uh, at at the center of the Russia investigation. Now, the Republicans are trying to make this argument that the the dossier was relied upon in an inappropriate way or that they didn't sufficiently reveal the document's political character, that is, that the research was funded by the Democratic Party. And before that, a major Republican donor. Nonetheless, the Nunez memo has, I think, uh, and the controversy around it has, I think, strengthened BuzzFeed's argument a little bit and has, I think, vindicated their decision a little bit to publish the memo. I strongly, strongly disagree with the vindication. Except they're being sued in Florida, the same state that had the famous Gawker lawsuit. Yeah. you know, and I, I assume it was filed in Florida because that was considered a state where well, they tried to get. move the venue to New York, um, which obviously has stronger protections in every capacity and isn't the place where where Gawker went down. Um, but, but they failed to move the location, right? Right. Okay. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think the idea that, I mean, the judge gave the DOJ lawyers a pretty hard time about. I don't understand why you can't. You know, are you saying that the White House puts out information that is incorrect? And they were like, oh, well, <laughs> and the judge is like, the White House would never that lie. The White House would release, or, uh, you know, anything that the president and the DOJ lawyer was like, ah, and he was like, you better watch what you're saying. And he was saying, you know, I mean, he was very, he seemed to me clearly dismayed with the idea that they could claim that a two sentence affidavit, which is what BuzzFeed is seeking, that they were investigating the dossier at this point in time is beyond the pale of something to ask for. Um, And the DOJ lawyers were put in a really bad position because they're, I mean... I mean, right, they've been outed in public already, you know, and now they're they're basically forced to to deny it in a court. But of course, what we're seeing, though, is, I mean, it's a very different situation than the Gawker and the Hulk Hogan sex tape, is that there are so many lawsuits being piled up on the publication of the dossier. At some point, it becomes a financial burden for any news organization to defend against them. They are spending millions and millions of dollars, and they haven't even gone to trial. They haven't even paid FTI their, you know, past their initial... So looking, it is not a parallel case, but it it seemed like sort of the court of public press opinion didn't come down in favor of Gawker until it was too late, until Gawker was almost bankrupt. What what do you find is the general attitude about BuzzFeed's publication of the dossier? Oh, I think it's so split. I think it's so split. I mean, there's— On partisan lines, uh, I On partisan lines, absolutely. But also within—I mean, also I think within the media, I think the initial reaction that you described kind of at the top of our conversation of seeing this as— uh, an act of transparency and being very positive in that way. Uh, I think that was 
that's a that's a position that a lot of a lot of journalists feel. Glenn Simpson himself, you know, has said that he was dismayed to find out that to find that the dossier was was published. Um, Glenn Simpson being the head Glenn of Simpson Fusion being GPS. the head of Fusion, who was the guy who who commissioned the dossier, and it. I mean, you know, tra- traditional journalism would hold that you try to verify things yes. before you publish them. Are we calling for comment? I mean, that, and, that is, yeah, no, please And, go. you know, so it's, this is, this is kind of the brave new world in which we are living in, right? In which. Post-fact verification. Right. Po- we're post-fact verification where you get these huge document dumps and then you have to comb through them and try to verify the material in them. And it's. And then you hire the guy who was in charge of that exact investigation for the entire U.S. government who. Right was chief of staff for cyber under Comey, who worked with Bob Mueller for decades in New York, who is literally the guy investigating himself. I mean, his own investigation. And and getting paid a lot of money to do it. It's a great so, job if you can get it. I mean, he is the right person for the job if you can. I mean, it's just a really bad luck. But, I mean, I guess who else would you want investigating it other than the person who didn't? Stop it the first time. I, I mean, he's going to struggle to verify these facts just as much as anybody else is. I don't is. know that that's true. Really? Um, I well, mean, that's the interesting debate we had when you first proposed this article because you saw it as, I think, what makes it so newsworthy as sort of the first public, I mean, assuming it goes it, it that they present evidence in court, sort of open verification of the dossier, because whatever the FBI does or DOJ does or Mueller does, we won't know about necessarily until... Yeah, I mean, FBI was hired as an expert witness. So there's two types of expert witnesses. One, uh, if you're a testifying expert witness, then you have to disclose the name of said witness to the court on that deadline. But you can also not disclose it. But the idea at some point was that FDI would enter something into court or BuzzFeed would that has their signature or affidavits or whatever saying, yeah, we verified this. That is the first time it's entered into a court document. And now someone like Bob Mueller can say, oh, there's precedent. I can take that. It's already been established as fact. And so it's piecing together. So it's basically the situation that I saw when I had first heard about this initially was, oh, wow, this could really be. Bob Mueller's guy at the White House who failed to investigate this and stop this, creating the actual legal precedent to further this investigation to a point of criminal prosecution. But do you think they'll make headway? I mean, they don't have subpoena power. They do. They go, no, no, no. Well, I mean, not like Mueller does. I mean, they can't. Yes, go- they do. Look at how many people BuzzFeed subpoenaed. They have let, but those those people will protest. They, they I mean, they are. I mean, that not was the whole of, of the hearing. Not you all think- of them. Well, that will be interesting. I mean, people also fight government subpoenas. Just of course, of course. Uh, But I mean, that's the whole point is that you do have probably the most knowledgeable people who are very, very close to the FBI still. And Anthony Ferrante is seen all over headquarters still, and he, you know, doesn't work there anymore. His his ties. He runs this. He started this whole cyber conference for the FBI. He's friends with everyone. And Anthony Ferrante is the former FBI official leading the investigation. He's lovely and he's charismatic and he knows everyone and he's exactly who you would want to, you know, to have. Right. But his team, which isn't just him, which is a chunk of people, about a dozen or a little more, has been directing BuzzFeed's attorneys. Like, they're not just subpoenaing random technical specific details from companies like Bitly and Twitter. Like, this is coming from the 
the actual war room team at FTI that's saying these are the exact, you know, pieces of malware. This is the copy of this data. This is what we are seeking because we believe that this is how we're going to verify that Goob Rev servers were involved. But this is the great irony I see of it is— Which? All, well, all of it. But, but the, the, the dossier was the creation of a private sector investigation into Trump's ties to Russia. And now the investigation is a <laughs> private sector investigation into the investigation. I mean, it's, it, it is unusual. And then unusual in the background is the journalism organization. I mean, I'm, it's... I mean, here's the thing, right? If you're sitting on a big pile of cash right now, you can hire a small army of spies to go investigate whatever you want, right? There is this whole industry of former security officials in the in the in Europe and the United States. You can hire people who are at the very center of the intelligence apparatus of basically any government in the world right now who have recently left, who still have these Rolodexes to this world, who can still call up these That's people and FTI talk to them. That's what FBI is known for. I mean, the exactly. amount of FBI um, cyber. <laughs> right. I mean, there were reports that Harvey Weinstein hired FTI. They did, as well. right? Actually, right after, um, right after BuzzFeed did. I had never heard of FTI before. because I had reached out to people and they thought I was asking about Harvey, Harvey. and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I saw the reports and I was like, "Oh, that that wasn't the same thing I was asking." Yeah, about. never forget. I mean, Harvey Weinstein hired a. Israeli firm, Black Cube, staffed with you know uh, former Mossad operatives, and that firm actually carried out impersonated victims, impersonated executives who then went and talked to victims to try to figure out what information they were sitting on. Like they were carrying out what would be traditionally traditional intelligence operations in which somebody impersonates another person in order to get information from them. And if you have enough money today, that's that's something that you can do. That's also I mean there is a particular federal agency who I used to write about all the time who did the same thing to to anyone writing about them, including me, in terms of the people that you're following. And, like, the amount of resources, yeah, um, crazy. They would call and they would try to pretend that they were a source. They would try to then um, get information about, like, my personal life. Then they would follow me around. And I had arranged to meet a source from that agency once. And they called saying, oh, I'm going to be late um, because you're really lost and I'm four cars behind you and I'm told to follow you. And I was like, ah, cool. So it's not entirely unusual. Another point is everyone who investigated WikiLeaks in 2012 out of New York under pre Barrara, the U.S. attorney, the assistant U.S. attorney for cyber under pre, all of the cyber guys, the agents, the sort of senior management, the CART guys who were like the technical computer <coughs> people, they all went to FTI immediately. It is a landing pad of all of those type of people. So... And all the a lot of NSC people who left, you know, Anti Ferrante stayed on through Trump. I mean, he left the Trump White House to investigate the Trump White House. But on that point, I can end here by reading the statement that Gubarov's lawyer Please gave do. you, which is our favorite, regarding the hiring of FTI to verify it the dossier. He said, quote, they can hire Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia Brown, or Sherlock Holmes. You can't find what doesn't exist. There is a simple reason why BuzzFeed hasn't found any evidence to support the allegations in the dossier against Mr. Gubarov. The allegations are false. So we'll get to see what happens next in the court case and in the continuing life and afterlife of the dossier. Jana Elias, thanks for joining me. Please join us next time on the ER. You've been listening to Foreign Policies, the ER podcast. I'm Sharon Weinberger, and I've been your host. The program is produced by Shelby Bostead. For more information about FP and to subscribe to the ER and our global thinkers and backstory podcasts, please visit foreignpolicy.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much for joining us.